Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. This is part one of debunking the myth of following your passion. My name is Christy Mori, and I'm joining Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. How are you going this week, Joe? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm surviving lockdown, even though uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for everyone, but um, but yeah, hanging in there. It's been a busy week, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it's good to stay busy. Mm. So we've been in lockdown for a few months now, actually almost half a year, with pretty <laughs> intense measures, <laughs> especially for Melbourne. Isn't it's that crazy? Uh, we've been that long. It has been crazy this year. Yeah. Maybe we can share a bit about it and how it's affected business personally. Mm. Uh, it, for business, and especially for small to medium business in particular, it's really devastating. It's, you know, there are so many people who are struggling with uh, not having work. And, um, and, you know, luckily we have some safety nets in terms of being in Australia. We have safety nets related to government support and income support. But that's actually uh, changing next month. And as things um, continue, that does um create a little bit of worry for people because um, we don't know uh, how long we're going to be in this situation and how much support we really need. So it is very difficult. It's also difficult for um, businesses who are, have you know, experienced reduced revenue, but at the same time have um, ongoing costs. So uh, cash flow is a real problem for business right now. And that's small to large business. And so many business owners are looking at ways to reduce their outgoings at a time when, you know, revenue is dramatically reduced. So not easy, not easy. So we, we, we have to stick together and support each other and acknowledge that it's a difficult time. Yeah, it's very, very true because n- nobody would have ever guessed that it would have gone on for so long. Would no, it? no. Well, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't as well. I, I was sure that we were maybe going to be in this for a month or two at the most, but yeah, not as long as it's gone on for. Mm, it's really difficult with the pandemic, isn't it? So as you've sort of mentioned before, the climate of job scenarios have changed, people are out of work. So that's why we wanted to discuss this topic today. And it's about following passion. Mm. So some of the myths we do want to debunk about following our passion is feeling passionate versus cultivating passion, passion being easy versus hard work, and how to regain passion when you lose it. And then we'll speak a little bit about monetizing our passion, the good and bad parts of it. So today we'll just start off with the basics of how would people even go about finding what they're passionate about? Maybe the biggest myth of feeling passionate over cultivating passion is because people think it's just going to be easy and it's just a feeling of, you know, great things all the time. But for instance, maybe we can use dance as Mm -hmm. it's one of your many passions, Joe. How can you um, share a bit about your experiences with dance and pursuing it more than a hobby? Mm. So um, I have uh, a business called Melbourne Belly Dance and it's an entertainment agency and I also teach dance and I partner with Strut Entertainment who uh, also are, are very passionate about cultural dance. And uh, together we uh, love what we do. We're very passionate about it. I've been 
passionate about cultural dance or and dance all my life um, and I never thought that I would monetize that in the way that I have in my life. Uh, it has been a, a passion since I was very young. I, I loved I've loved dancing since I can remember um, but I never thought that um, I would be able to turn that into something that would also give me an income. Having said that in my life my intense desire for for dance and being a dancer uh, has also um, given me lots of opportunities but I've also been interested in other things that have given me a lot of opportunities in my life. So I've been man, I've been managing my passions rather than my one passion. Uh, so so, and and in, in that journey, I think that we've I, what I've done is particularly uh, managed it by not expecting my passion to give me everything. So even though I've always loved dance and I I would love to spend every waking moment dancing, Mm. it hasn't provided me with, uh, for for example, some of the the opportunities of travel and income that my other passions have given me. So I'm really glad in a way that I haven't been one-eyed about it. And I think some people tend to follow a passion in a very one-eyed way because passion is something that really... It's, re- it's a really intense desire to want to um, pursue an activity or, 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 or um, a particular um, interest and it really transforms us into that enthusiasm and energy and motivation that we feel and what that does is it keeps us going and we want to get better at it and it, it keeps us digging into that particular interest or, or topic. Um, so it can be all-consuming. But life is about managing your expectations and happiness across a number of domains. And sometimes passion in one area may not fulfill all of the expectations you have about your, you know, about what you want out of life. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe you're saying that it's okay to just have multiple interests and passions to pursue? Yes, exactly. And and I think one of the myths about pursuing your passion is that you'll have one passion, it'll come to you in your sleep or you'll have it since you were very young and that's what you should pursue because we're also in a uh, society where individualism is actually the, the norm. We believe that as individuals um, we can create whatever we need to, um, but individuals operate in social systems and they operate in larger you know economic and national systems and there are lots of competing um, I guess competing drivers for our time and energy Um, so for example people might be very passionate about their individual pursuits but as soon as they have responsibilities of family or perhaps looking after even uh, aged people in their lives they they tend to maybe shift their perspectives about how that interest can fulfill the other responsibilities that they have in life or the other obligations that they have in life um, and 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 how that can, that particular passion can look after the people they care about. Oh. Yes, that's really, really good. What we're saying is that it's okay to, you know, fulfill other responsibilities in our lives, especially when it's with um, responsibilities that, you know, require us to care for people in our lives that we care about. Yeah, sure. Following a a passion 
gives us joy and and we you know that intense motivation to do something can sometimes blind us to other people around us but most people uh, do have uh, a social system that they live in they have a family or they perhaps you know they get married they have children they have um, suddenly they have you know responsibilities as a parent and obligations around that and following that that passion um, becomes something that they need to consider amongst other things that they need in their life and amongst other demands that they have on their time and energy. So, um, and unfortunately, not all our passions are going to realise um, an income for us. And and I, I feel like I'm such a naysayer when I say that, but the reality is that many people will often make an income from something that they are good at. It's maybe not particularly their absolute passion and intense desire, but for me, I think that that's okay as long as you still provide yourself some time to follow that other passion. Um, I think that we are we bombarded by um, messages, particularly from kind of that the new solo entrepreneur sort of landscape, where um, all we need to do is follow our passion, and then you know a five or six figure salary will or income will come from that. And what people don't understand is actually there are steps along the way that you need to follow you don't you don't just suddenly succeed because you're passionate you actually passion is is absolutely the starting point um, I would always say you know don't spend a lot of time in your life following a pursuit if it's really not something you're interested in but but it's passion is the starting point. It's not the end point. It, you start with with having an interest or a passion in something. Then you have to get competent in that particular interest or um, and uh, competency takes time. There's education. There's learning from other people. If it's a, a creative pursuit, there's practice. You know, people don't necessarily get great at painting or great at singing. Uh, just because they're passionate, they actually usually spend hours of practice doing those things. And then there's um, other um, considerations like how you monetize that particular interest that now you've developed a competency in, you know, how do people find you? How do they know they need you? Um, what niche are you fulfilling? Uh, and then how do you maintain your energy when you've monetized that? Is it something that you can maintain for a long period of time or is it something that um, requires you to rest because you know particularly again you know some of the like like I'm a dancer um, and and I've, I'm also uh, I also have a PhD in organizational psychology and I do consulting work and I do lots of other things that take up my time but when I'm thinking about my creative pursuit which is dance I couldn't even pursue that as a as something that I do Eight hours a day so so the time in which I can dance is limited just physically because of the the time it takes for my body to recover from that so therefore I need to look at that um, uh, as a as something that I that you know I need to conserve my energy I need to be healthy to do it I need to do it in short bursts for example and then what that what does that mean uh, to my life in relation to earning an income over my lifespan. You know, um, what does it mean in terms of also, you know, when I get to an age where maybe I'm not phys as physically able to to execute 
the things I need to execute in dance. So all of those things are considerations. And um, I think that what I want to say is absolutely people should follow their passion, but it's a starting point. It's not the end point. Yeah, those are really, really good points because what you were talking about before is has to connect with our values as well and what we value um, and not just let passion take over. We have to think about other things. And you've sort of touched upon this as well. Mm. And basically, you know, in Harvard Business Review, it says German word for passion is Leidenschaft, which literally translates to the ability to hardship. So you're talking about um, the sense when we're following our passion, that it's actually really hard work. And we might not always have the right time to cultivate it to the best max of our ability. Mm. But we don't necessarily associate with passion. And that's because you know, hardship is maybe not as emphasized in it. Yes. Yeah. We think what it do you think be about easy. that? Absolutely, Christy. We think it should be easy. You know, I, I actually heard something the other day which made a lot of sense to me. Um, talent is something that you perhaps see when people just do things and they might not have practised it. Um, mm. But most people... Uh, need to develop their talent. So most people do need to practice and they need to, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a trial and error phase around a particular passion that they have. And particularly, you know, in the creative arts, but not just in the creative arts. And so, so that road can be very challenging because sometimes you might be pursuing something you're very passionate about um, it means that you have to, there are payoffs that you make around perhaps the time you spend earning money somewhere else. And so the payoff might be in relation to not having as much money uh, as you as you like or you'd need instantly um, while you're learning, while you're practicing, while you're a student of that passion. Most people accept that for a period of time in their life, but how long do you accept that? So how long, for example, do you accept being that kind of suffering artist where you're not really making money, but maybe you're, you're, you're being fulfilled in other ways? And for some people, that, that equation adds up because the, the ability to, to develop creative works kind of, um, you know, it, it compensates or sub, subsidise um, their inability to maybe monetize that straight away but for other people that might that that deal that payoff might not be um, what they need or what they can afford so so there are hardships in terms of you know is this interest is this pursuit giving you what you need the other hardships are around getting feedback on your uh, your particular passion Sometimes you get feedback that is um, not either constructive or it can be negative feedback that you're not able to process. Um, sometimes you don't win a competition. Sometimes you apply for a grant and you don't get it. Um, and sometimes you continue, continue to produce work that maybe nobody um, reacts to in the way that you want them to react to. You know, I've put on a lot of shows where maybe... I didn't get the get the 
audience that I wanted to come to the show and I've put so much heart, soul and time into that show and, and my, my you know, audience numbers don't meet my expectations. And you, what happens is that, and particularly when you're very passionate about something, you tend to internalise the reasons why maybe that was that, did, that particular pursuit failed or that output failed and you don't, you don't think of other external reasons for that you blame yourself or you perhaps start to second guess yourself so it can be really tough it can be really really tough um, on your sensibilities around uh, am, am I worthy am I good enough is this really for me so those kinds of things are happen all the way through 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 the, your life it, and when I think about my belly dance career I started belly dancing in my 20s so I wasn't I didn't have that training from a, a child, from, you know, from childhood into teenage, into early adulthood. I really started late. But I got competent really quickly because I was very passionate about it. And there was some talent there, but I needed to cultivate that talent. And what happened to me is I instantly got kind of grabbed up by the commercial side of, of belly dancing. I was working in restaurants, parties, corporate events, um, you know, major, major festivals. And it was a great time. But what I perhaps missed was some parts of my training, which I'm now even at this stage going back to because I missed uh, developing some of the knowledge and I missed developing some, some training because I was so busy um, doing shows. The other thing that that happened to me is that that was great, and I was, you know, making money, and I was, it was a great life. It was a very um, nocturnal life, though. So the payoff for me was that I often didn't go to dinner parties, I didn't go to birthday parties, I didn't, I wasn't able to attend family gatherings, and it's only in hindsight that I now think, you know, I really missed in developing some relationships that were very key at that time in my life and I missed out on the opportunities to um, develop those relationships and maintain those relationships. So there is a trade-off there as well. Um, so, so all of that feels great. The hardship for me, though, was when I realised that there were other people who were also talented and they were pretty much coming at my, my, you know, my skirt tails and they were up and coming and suddenly there's more competition and I started to be less and less relevant. And at one point I, I decided that I would uh, not focus so much on performing and I would switch to teaching and so I had to kind of pivot. But, but it also meant that I needed to make an income in other ways. And, and I still feel like that the journey for me is is troughs and peaks so there are times in that you know in my dance career where I'm on a high and I'm really the output is great and it's being appreciated and there are times during that journey where I'm in a trough and I'm not producing what I want to do um, either um, because I'm, I'm not able to just deliver um, in terms of time, energy, physical ability, or sometimes it can be also because of money. I don't have the funding to sort of produce the show in the way that I want to. So all of those things mean that uh, that it, 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 it requires persistence. It requires me to be more persistent. And my passion does drive that persistence. And, and people who are passionate will be more persistent 
But I'm also very realistic about what I'm able to do and the payoffs that I've that I that I need to be aware of because at the end um, I will have other goals that I want to achieve and it's not just around dancing and, and Melbourne belly dance as much as that's important to me and the other goals will take precedence over Melbourne belly dance at times so I run a number of different businesses and uh, I juggle my time across those businesses uh, and I have great partners and that's how I do it but but there, there are times where I know I'm not able to put the time and energy into something that I need to. and But that's the trade-off I make. So that's really, really good that you're very realistic in what um, it means to follow your passion. And so for people who kind of lose their passions, as you said, persistence is one of the really big keys about continuing. But... Maybe some people, after all these setbacks or all these things that didn't go quite right, they could lose passion. Do you have any? Um, do you have any advice for people who have lost passion and they want to regain it, but they don't know where to start again? Yes, absolutely. I think that it, we have to debunk the myth that that you that passion is singular. So, you know, you, you have, you're passionate about one thing and that's it. And if that doesn't work, you can't be passionate about anything else. I think that's a myth. And the other myth is that passion finds you and you don't need to go and find it. So, yeah, so one of the things you were talking about is, you know, you've been really realistic about um, your times and your limits and even like spatial limits all these kinds of different things. So after a lot of setbacks, someone could really lose their passion. And just to round things off, how would you advise someone who lost their passion and they want to regain it again, but they don't know where to start? Yeah. And and this can be a, a real moment where people feel very dejected because as, as, as much as passion drives our motivation and drive, if we're not passionate, you get the opposite effect. So I get it when people just, if they lose their passion, if they can't maintain that, you know, what do you do? I think we've got to debunk that myth though, that passion is singular, that you are passionate about one thing all your life. And if that doesn't work, then you can never be passionate again. I think that that's a myth. The other myth is that passion finds you and somehow you know you know that you're passionate and then and then you you pursue that over you need to go out and find passion i think that you can go out and find passion and i think you can be passionate about a number of things especially over your lifetime i think because of we have you know we have to conserve time and energy we have it's a finite resource i think that we are usually passionate about one thing at one time most people are, unless you're me and crazy because I'm passionate about lots of things that, and I can pursue them at the same time. Um, but if you're passionate about one thing at one time, uh, you can, and, and you lose that for whatever reason, you can explore different areas and find passion again. Passion again. So again, it, it could be something related. So, um, and I, and I, I had this um, particularly um even as a child, I actually was very passionate about oil painting. I loved to paint nudes 
Um, this is me, in, you know, as a teenager, I loved painting nudes. Wow. I, was, I was in love with Michelangelo and the Renaissance masters. And I actually did year 12 arts and um, I was, I was, that's where I thought I was going to go. Uh, until in my 20s when I, when I found belly dance. But but I think I would have pursued that. I would have I would have got better at that, and I had I had a talent in that, and I would have probably pursued that over over dance in you know in a sliding doors moment. So when I get to a point where I want to find another passion, I'll go back and explore something like that, something that piqued my interest but maybe I didn't pursue because other passions took over. So what I'll do to, to explore that, though, is start from the, 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 the basics. I'll look for a beginner class. I'll look for maybe a, a teacher who can instruct me. Um, I'll read some books. I'll um, just grab a paint set and play around without any expectation about what the outcome is. Um, I'll go to the museum and look at the, the Renaissance um, masterpieces and get inspired that way. So I will go and explore that um, because I know that there's like a, a, a little tickle when I think about that, um, but, but that, that needs to be nurtured. And I think a lot of people could have the same experience if they didn't expect it to just happen by osmosis, you need to go out and explore. And and if, if you can't think of something that maybe piqued your interest before, then maybe that that's an even better journey of exploration. Go out and explore something really left field. Go out and 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 start to um, look for maybe maybe a group of people that are doing something you don't know anything about, and you might find that you you develop a passion there. So often. Developing a passion goes with competency. So as you get better at something, you might develop more of a passion for it. So you need to maybe give yourself a, a bit of a time limit to try something new. Um, if, if you don't develop a passion after a period of time, you can go to something else. So, But, but to your point earlier, Christy, thinking about your values, what do you value? Um, so for example, I'm a very social person. I love and value that part of my life that's why lockdown is so hard for me at yeah. the moment <laughs> but but if I was going to pursue a, a new passion I'd want to do it with other people because that's what I value I value that social space so for me I would be looking for a class where I can go and meet some new people um, but for you it might be something else it might be some some other way of exploring a passion it, we're all individuals in that way Mm -hmm. I've been reading a lot of articles lately about just um, how what we were passionate about as kids mm. and exploring that, which is something similar to what you were saying exactly. about oil painting is maybe as kids we started, but then, you know, all these other life obligations came in and we put it down. So, yeah, so that's one way I heard that was a good way to just kind of see as an adult um, what kind of interest we can regain again? That's right, and because I think children don't have the the, nest, the expectations that we have about um, being good at something, so they'll just play. They don't care whether they're good at something or not. They'll just give it a go and and play. And it's I, I think that they they then um, you know succumb to some of the more societal norms about you know needing to have a certain level of competency around something. But um, but yeah, it's it's basically. Get that play on again and um, explore. 
Yeah, that's a great way. I love watching my nephews play, and you have a nephew too. Yeah, I do. He's I really too. young. Yeah, they're so they're so fun. I feel like they don't really care if they're failing or no, they don't. I don't think they, they even really know. No, what you know what failing is. They're just trying they, it out. They try it out. They don't fear it. They just go for it. And um, so that's kind of what we want to get back to is that kind of unabandoned um, play and and sort of exploration. And so and then I think then I think that that after some time you can then reassess whether that passion is something you want to pursue. And and where I wanted to to kind of um, finish up on is. Just some advice on how long do you pursue a passion when it's not giving you or not uh, what you need or not fulfilling those the, the other things you need in your life. And I think what we have to do is be realistic about that too. So you need to maybe give yourself a time limit that you'll pursue something to the expectations that you want to pursue it. And if you don't get that, get it to that level, then then have a chat to someone who's maybe a bit more independent than you. Um, have a chat to a few people. Get get some objective advice about whether your persistence is going to continue to give you the same results, which is not what you want, or whether you need to do things differently. You know, we we if we do something in the same way and we're not getting results time and time and time again, um, you need to reevaluate that. So, yeah, this, there's a quote on that, isn't there? I think it's an Einstein quote that says, like, doing the same things and expecting different results is insanity. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That, and I think people awesome. who are passionate are, you know, insane sometimes around what they're passionate about. And um, That's true. I, Einstein was I, insane, they say. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. So I think if it makes you happy, if, you know, if, if something makes you happy and it's giving you a lot of fulfillment, of course, continue but don't expect that that pursuit to fulfill every other demand you have in life. You know, it's okay to, um, to for example, I run a belly dance business. I don't expect the belly dance business to, to fulfill all the expectations I have um, about um, my income because I, I'm kind of realistic about that too. And um, it, it's I have other pursuits that are, fulfilling those needs and I just I just want the belly dance business to be a place where I can be free and take risks and um, invest in other people and have fun and so I don't want to put an expectation that that business has to be um, profitable to the point where I can live the kind of lifestyle that I want to live so I've made that conscious decision it might not be the decision others will make but um, but we we just need to take stock of what do we need in our life and will that passion really give me what I need? Mm. Yeah, I, th I think you're right as well because I've had experiences where I was doing something for like a day job where it was not passionate, but I felt like because I was pursuing things outside of it, like it mm. didn't, um, you know, it didn't stress me out if my rent was coming or things like that. It was like, those things were fine. They're covered. Right. And I think there's a bit of stress when there's, we expect like our passions to be everything, you know, including the monetary part, like providing for ourselves. I think that's yeah. when it really intersects in the like stressors of life 
Instead of it being like maybe something that's fun and later could be monetized. That's right. You know, I, I, I decided early in my career, career that I wouldn't pursue dance as an academic uh, pursuit because at the, at the time I was deciding on what I was going to do my PhD in and I, I could have done it in dance. I could have looked at dance, but I didn't want to do a PhD in dance because I didn't want to add that expectation on my, on my passion. So, so there's, I made a, a conscious decision about that. I also made a conscious decision that, that dance wouldn't be my sole um, avenue for income uh, throughout the life, my whole life. Because, um, you know, at times it was. At times I was dancing and it was my full-time income. But, but I, I knew that, that I didn't want to add that level of expectation on that pursuit for the whole of my life. So I was working on other things at the same time. And I've, I feel like I've had, you know, in some ways a bit of a renaissance life because of it because, again, my, my renaissance masters that I love so much, like, like Leonardo da Vinci, he was equally competent in sciences and arts and I feel like I've achieved that in my life where I'm equally passionate about and competent in, you know, artistic pursuits but also the more scientific pursuits and that's where I ended up doing my, my PhD. So so I, I have fulfilled that sense of happiness around that thank you joe for sharing all your experiences and then following your passions and inspiring us to do the same thanks for listening everyone looking forward to connecting with you next time please send us any questions and what you might want to hear more of in these series at josephine at geared for growth.biz which is in the description and we'll talk to you next time